um, as Pastor Garfield was sharing earlier about um, the fact that our first Christmas was one of those Christmases that we literally had to go to um, an organization that was, it was a toy drive. That was our kids' first, after we got married, that was our kids' first um, Christmas gift because we didn't have funds. But even in the midst of that, um, God gave us a heart of contentment. He gave us a heart that says, Lord, no matter what the situation looks like right now, I will trust you through it all. And we were so grateful for the fact that we were able to give them something. Though they were able to see their gift ahead of time, they got to open up something on Christmas. So that still brought us joy. Um, but since that moment, God has been divinely orchestrating moments that there has not been lack or there has been a constant flow of contentment. And I know you're probably saying, why are you talking so much about contentment, right? Well, today my topic is going to be um, contending for contentment. Today we're going to be closing out our mini-series on um, Satisfy My Soul, which is based on the Paulinian Episcopal um, Philippians. In this letter, the Church of Philippi, there's so much to unpack in Philippians, right? How many people read Philippians before? If you have not, trust me, grab your Bible tonight and dive in. Four chapters, and those chapters will literally change your life. But it's a, it's a whole lot to unpack in, in, in those scriptures. But for this moment, for this series, we're just going to concentrate on Philippians 4. Last week, Pastor Garfield went ahead and talked to us about cultivating generosity, highlight, highlighting how our universal experience of discontentment ultimately stems from the contention between our desires and our purpose. He also shared that generosity was very essential to our commitment, creating positive ripples beyond our material giving and embodying the mindset of abundance. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go back, watch the YouTube, watch this, uh, listen to the Spotify, and just um, embrace that message. And though we are gonna continue in our mindset of generosity today, I want us to journey just a little bit deeper into the concept of what contentment really is. It's connection to generosity and how contentment contributes to our outward witness. But before we go even further into that, I just want us to frame our thoughts through this particular series title, Satisfy My Soul. Satisfy My Soul is often used to express a deep longing, our desire for fulfillment, contentment at a profound level, and especially in our emotional and spiritual context. Spiritually, it encompasses seeking a deeper connection with God, faith, cultivating inner peace, and contentment. It's related to how we develop meaningful relationships and how we determine how we show up in the world for others. Since this is the last Sunday before Thanksgiving holiday, 
what a better time to talk about contentment, right? As being integral part, an integral part of our lives and how our, content, our contentment actually realigns our character. It, it testifies to our witness. It also testifies to our faith and even our response to God. In the next few minutes, we're gonna look through how this plays out through the Church of Philippi. And as we, I said, we're gonna do this through the topic of contending for contentment. I realize that my title might be a little, seem like an oxymoron to have to fight for peace, but true contentment often requires an intentional effort and spiritual discipline. Let me give you some scenarios. Your friends wanna go hang out, and you know you have a time-sensitive project at work or at school, and you know whatever you're going to do is gonna drain you mentally and, and physically, that's that project. You, you're aware that that's gonna take all of your energy to do. You have a decision to, to make. Do you go ahead and go out with your friends and say, okay, well, I'll just deal with tomorrow tomorrow? Or do you prepare yourself for the next day? Hopefully, you'll decline the offer, right? No? If it's no, it's no. If it's yes, it's yes. <laughs> you can be honest. It's okay. Talk back to me. Hopefully, you will be able to decline the offer. Sometimes it's a little hard when you had a rough week and you're like, oh, I know I got to do that tomorrow, but this is my last hurrah before the week starts. But we want you to think about it. And like I said, hopefully, you'll decline it and you'll say, you know what, next time. Next week, I'm, I'm with you. Next week, I'm with you. Or here's another scenario. Your phone rings. It's your Sabbath. You look down at the phone, and you realize it, that it's your EGR friend or family member calling. Anybody remember what EGR is? We say it a lot. Extra grace required. We all have that family and friend that we know the Lord is going to have to give us some extra grace just to talk with them, walk them through life, just to hold their hands. We all have one. I have a couple, more than I would like to admit. I might be an EGR to somebody else. Who knows? But we all have one. But this is supposed to be your day of rest. This is supposed to be your Sabbath. You've been working. You've been going to school. You've been you know, it's the world has been chaotic around you, and you're like, I just need my time with God. And you set aside this time. You dedicated this time with God. But EGR is on the phone. Hmm. What do you do? Do you answer because you know that they need you? Or do you put your phone down? Say a prayer and get back with them later. Talk back to me. <laughs> <laughs> so we will, 
when we posture ourselves for spending time with God, that's a sacred moment for you and God. So the best thing to do in those scenarios, even if, even if you feel like they need you, they need God more. Okay? You're not bigger than God. So you can simply, if, if it's, it's really one of those that's like, if she doesn't answer the phone or he doesn't answer the phone, I'm going to show up at their doorstep, text them and say, today is my day of rest. I will get with you tomorrow. You hear me? Okay, 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 okay. You need that time to refuel. Everybody needs a Sabbath. We are so busy in our life that we forget that we need a Sabbath. Sometimes we say, oh, we're taking a day of rest, and our day of rest means going out with some friends, doing a Bible study with some friends, um, binge-watching Netflix. All of those things can be helpful, but you need to set aside time just for you and God time that you can spend in the word with God, time where you can hear his voice, time where you can ask questions. You write it down in your journal. I, I brought my Bible. I think I, I didn't. I left it in the car. I brought my Bible that's probably 28 years old with me today, and I wanted to bring it up, but I forgot it in the car. But in that Bible, it's a record of my moments with God. It's a record of when I'm reading the word and I don't understand it, I'm writing in the margins. It drives my husband crazy. He will not write in the Bible. But me, I'm like, it says it's his word, and I can speak to him and have conversations. So I literally write in the margins my thoughts. And I have, through that Bible, highlights of, of scriptures that after asking the questions I've been led to, and I mark it with the date, and I can go back to it, and I remember it, and in the times where life is hard, those scriptures give me a sense of contentment. Since you have those scenarios, some scenarios might be a little more hectic than the ones I presented to you, but you have to make time to determine that your time with God is going to be your time with God. Your time to recharge is your time to recharge. Even us as pastors, we have our recharge or our Sabbath days. Anybody know who, what Pastor Garfield's on is? Oh, that's why we always get phone calls and texts. Got it. What? What is that? Thursday, Pastor Garfield decided it's Thursday is his day of rest, though he does sometimes respond to people and emails and everything like that. But that is his Sabbath. My Sabbath is on Mondays and Thursdays is a day where I recharge with my husband. Um, and sometimes I often don't have my phone near me simply because of my EGR. So I'm just letting you know, if you ever tried to reach me on a Monday, I apologize, but I'm not avoiding you. I'm just replenishing my spirit and my soul so I can be an effective and tangible resource for you. That's what I need. 
So what are some constructive barriers you can establish to protect and nurture your sense of contentment? Think about it. And if you don't have it, I want you to start cultivating one. Start planning for one. Setting healthy um, boundaries and other spiritual disciplines must be intentional. They must be thought through. Cannot be an afterthought. You can't go through a month and say, oh, I think I need to recharge. By the time you hit the end of the month, your body's already going to tell you that you need to recharge. And it's going to recharge you for you. So be sure that, be intentional. Don't make it an afterthought. Now, I'm not sure if you guys are wondering why I chose contending for contentment as my title, but I'm going to be honest, the last couple of weeks I have been contending for contentment. There have been health reports, there has been family reports, there has been things that have been happening in my atmosphere, and I literally had to fight for my peace. And I presented this to you guys today because you sometimes have to fight to maintain and inquire your peace as well. Now, to help us understand um, this, this, this area of contending for contentment, I just want us to go to the definition of the word contend. It just means to strive, to rival against difficulties. In the earlier part of the letter to the Philippian church, he warns the church that this is needed. It's needed in order to stay united as one spirit, stay united as one mind. He also encouraged them, contend, strive, show some effort, work hard, keep the unity of your faith. Now, I know I've been up here doing a, little talk, a lot of talking and everything, and you're probably saying, where is the scripture? Well, can we please stand, and we'll read the scripture together. <coughs> and we're going to start in Philippians 1, and we're going to go through... Philippians 1 to 23, and I need you guys to be as loud as you can to help my voice out. So let's begin. Therefore, my beloved. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And with all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things have a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. 
Spirit of the living God, we thank you for your word. We thank you um, that in the next couple of moments that you are going to meet us where we are and you're going to bring us closer to you. May this word that is being spoken today, Lord, transform not only the minds and hearts, Lord God, but the spirit, Lord God, spurging forth transformation in the name of Jesus, letting our lives be a witness and a testimony unto those who we encounter. We thank you for this word, Lord God, and may we encounter a deeper re revelation of you. Let us be able to encounter a deeper relationship with you in Jesus' holy name. And the church said, amen. amen. You may be seated. The reason why I asked for us all to go through the entire chapter as a whole is because I wanted you to see the entire picture of this moment. Sometimes we rush through the word of God, and we miss the totality of the entire picture. And I know since Pastor Garfield already covered Philippians 10, um, 4, 10 through 23 last week, we're just going to explore more of Philippians 4, um, 2 through 9. As mentioned, we all know that Paul is in what? Prison, right? At this time of the letter, however, he has gained some liberties because he made a petition unto the Romans' authorities. And, but nonetheless, he still says in his writing that he is in bonds. Therefore, he is still captive. He is not free. But ironically, we find a man in bonds, a man in captivity, writing a letter to the free people of the church, a letter of gratitude from a place of appreciation, admonishment, while also encouraging them to contend for their faith, to find contentment for themselves. Isn't that interesting? 
he's sitting there captive, not free to go wherever he wants to go, do whatever he wants to do. He's not free to do that. But he says, even in my circumstance, I see these things, and I'm going to speak life into you. Doesn't that bear some kind of powerful witness to his testament of contentment? Hmm. As we continue to walk through this section, we're going to walk through it in kind of three parts. The first part we're going to explore is contending for unity and and contentment. We enter this, this letter at a point where there's apparently some kind of disunity between two women leaders. Well, I, I skipped ahead of myself. It says two women, not just any women, but two women leaders of the church. And as we can see, something has taken place. We don't understand what it is, but we know that these leaders are not in agreement anymore. They are not on one accord. Something has happened to separate them. And this was not only affecting them personally, but it seems to have worked its way into affecting the church because why else will Paul write about it at the very beginning? He probably wouldn't have put this at the forefront. But whatever the case may be, Paul is hearing what is going on in the church. And he says, there needs to be a resolution. So Paul says, and if we look back, um, Paul says in Philippians 4 and 2, I'm paraphrasing a little, um, it says, I implore, but in, you know, guys, I'm the King James baby, so look at the screen. What does that say? I what? Yes, Lord, I beseech you, I beseech, I beseech. The, trans, the Greek translation for the word beseech, and bear with me, parakaleo, sorry, I apologize, parakaleo, which means to call, to beg, to console, to entreat. In other words, he is telling them in this letter, I beg of them to deal with whatever it is they're dealing with. Recenter themselves on kingdom mission focus. Tell them to take their thoughts and their, their emotions captive. Tell them to submit to one another and to God so they can continue to walk, continue to work together in ministry. And this is all for the peace of God. It puts me in the mindset of another scripture that I love. It's Philippians 2 and 5. And it's, I said all the time when things are not, oh, if things are not going right in my world and, and my thoughts are not in line with what the word is saying. And it says, let this mind, well, King James Version, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. This is my motto. When anything goes, or goes, goes too heavy for me, I turn and I say, Lord, let this mind, let this mind be in Christ Jesus. Let this mind. I don't care what else is going on around me, but let this mind be in Christ Jesus. See, when our minds are God-centered and Christ-centered, there is little room for offense. There is little room for it to remain there. And as we approach conflict and disagreement, 
our posture changes. And it shows in how we act in our contentment, contributing to how, again, how we give to others. But this takes humility, right? In this situation where there's a uh, disagreement, a heated fellowship um, between these two leaders, there is a point that somebody has to give way. Everybody can't be the winner. How many of you guys want to be winners? How many of you, you got to win in the argument? You got to win in the argument. Be honest, be honest, be honest. It's okay. I tend to be petty sometimes. Um, the Lord is working on that pettiness. All right? When I see it come up, I'm like, Lord, cancel this pettiness. Um, but I like to, I like to win. Um, it's just something that like, if I feel like I can't win something, I just don't get involved in it. It's just what I do. But when you are in relationship with others, there comes a point where winning is not the best solution. Compromises are you've seen from the other person's perspective. And this takes humility. It takes you dying to your own desires, your own rights, and your, 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 your ultimate desire to be the winner of the argument. Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be mine done through selfish ambitious and conceit. I'm going to add in our pettiness. Um, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Picture this. Yesterday we had Friendsgiving here, right? You and you came here with your friend for Friendsgiving. And it was joyous. You played games, you did Jeopardy, all of those things. You ate a lot of food. And then for some reason you go home and heated fellowship breaks out. And you guys are both, you left the argument with no resolve and wondering what to do next. But you know what? You have to see them soon. At some point, you have to see them. But you decide, I can hold off until the holidays are over with. Holiday break is done, then I'll handle it. This is a tactic of avoidance. And avoidance only helps contribute to contention. So here's the thing. You're avoiding, you're avo avoiding them. Then you come to church, and just so happens you try to come in really late so you don't run into them, or you try to leave really early, but then they're standing at the door with a mutual friend. Now you're trying to find another entryway to getting in this church without them seeing you, and you manage to slip by behind somebody, and then all of a sudden, now that mutual friend has picked up offense. 
because they have no idea why you're avoiding them. Offense then breeds disconnection. You say to yourself, oh man, they're in my connect group. They're on the worship team with me. Uh, I guess I'm going to have to find another group. Uh, won't be singing worship for about three months. We'll be good. You know, just for a little while. And then you become disconnected from the church, from your church family, from those who can strengthen you when you're weak. But here's the good news. If you can reconcile, unity breeds peace and contentment. When we're all on one accord, with one mission, looking beyond ourselves, this births forth an imaginable peace, and thus we find contentment not only in our hearts, but in our minds. To be honest, nobody likes to be at odds with anybody, right? We love peace. We love walking in peace. We hold on to that. So contend for it. I know it's not always easy to reconcile, and sometimes in life, God has it where we exit people's lives, and it's for the betterment of the journey. But when there's time, when you are walking together as one body, do not allow contention to seep in. God, um, Paul gives us uh, some assistance on how we can we can do this. Um, he gives us some insight on how we can hope and hold on to the promise of unity among our brothers and sisters. And he says it in um, Philippians 4, 3 and 5. It says, and I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labor with me in the gospel with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men, for the Lord is at hand. See, Paul didn't say, oh, if you don't know how to figure it out, then you're on your own. He's telling the person who's reading this letter to help, step in. Be the mediator. Make it happen. Step in. And he says that their names are already been written in the book of life. This is something that we all can rejoice in. We all can rejoice in this. But we have to remember that we, in all seasons, no matter how hard the circumstance is, no matter how frustrating it might be, always be gentle in your countenance. In Philippians 1 and 2, it tells us why. It tells us that only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So what, what, whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Here he is, he's saying, make sure that your witness is strong, that contentment is strong, because I'm gonna hear about it. 
whether I'm with you or not. I will be aware of what is happening. And just like I am aware, those who are on the outside waiting to experience God, waiting to understand this Jesus that we so love, this Jesus that we surrendered our lives to, they want to know that something is different. They want to be able to trust our witness. So, by fostering unity among believers, we strengthen the witness of our faith. The church of Philippi was noted to be one of the first churches in Rome, according to Acts. And at the time of this letter, culturally, it would have been a counterculture religion going against the um, Hellenistic uh, religion uh, sector that was there that had different beliefs and different practices. So just imagine we're sitting here in Berkeley and we all know that Berkeley is not so much of a Christian um, environment. We have different religions, we have different thoughts, we have different beliefs that are out, out. But then we have some people who are just waiting and watching for the opportunity to discredit the church, to discredit the teaching and say why people should not give their lives to God. But as we read in the scripture, that the church is encouraged to strive or contend together for the faith of the gospel. How many of you guys remember the chaos of, well, it wasn't too long ago, the pandemic? Oh, yeah, come on, come on. Um, I remember it, and you know what I remember the most about it was the disunity that wept through the Big C Church during the pandemic. It was almost as if the church was fragmented while still trying to hold on to the biblical truth that God has placed in us. And, and we found ourselves in a place where we're desperately trying to contend for what God was saying. I even wrote about it in my doctoral dissertation about how we can reimagine the church for a position to be, uh, once again, change makers. Those that the community can rely on, a church where that will open its arms, bring the community in and help with restoration and redemption and rebuilding. While churches fought to validate them, their truths during this time about the realm of social justice, politics, and if the pandemic was really real, the world waited in the balance, and our witness as a big C church became more disconnected from the world. Like I said, we were called to be change makers. We were called to change the culture. We were called to impact the lives of those that we encounter. Now, since we've come back from the pandemic, we have seen some growth. We have seen some churches realize where we faltered and begin to redefine our position in society and begin to change the narrative back to where it was supposed to be, of being a lighthouse, of being a city sitting on a hill, being chambers that echoes hope, being chambers that echoes redemption, being ch chambers that echoes 
reconciliation. Paul always talks about the fact that we are letters to be read by men. 2 Corinthians 2, I mean 3, 2 and 3 says you are an epistle written in the heart, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ. Ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of flesh. That is of the heart. When others view your letter, what are they reading? See, our unity in the, in the um, church body is imperative to our witness inside our church and on the outside of our church. Now, as we continue to shift in this, in this um, section, we see that Paul shifts an aspect over to contending for our peace, and that's where we pick up in, um, uh, I want to jump to Ephesians. I've been in Ephesians all week. I'm sorry. Philippians 4 and 6. And it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Don't worry about anything. So Pastor Mimi, that's kind of hard. I know. I consider myself to be a recovering warrior and perfectionist. I know that's a not so great of a combination, right? God is still working on me. But you know, um, when I'm left with questions, my questioning starts to way too long, stay too long. And worrying starts to or tries to take resident in my mind. I find myself in a posture of praying, not just praying any words, but praying the scriptures. Earnestly waiting at the foot of God for some wisdom, for some strength, for some guidance. See, worry doesn't change your circumstance. We know that, right? Worrying doesn't change our circumstance. But prayer with thanksgiving can change everything. You'll be surprised with the outcome. Sometimes the outcome may be, be still and know that I am God over all of your circumstances. Sometimes the outcome is strategic plans. Sometimes it's insight. Sometimes it's ideas. But as the scripture says, also that we make our requests known. See, God hears our prayers. He doesn't, it doesn't fall on deaf ears. He hears our prayers, and he will answer in due time. But always be clear and direct in your request to God. For example, Father, I don't know how I'm going to cover school, rent, or even food, but I know you should supply all of my needs. And your word says that You've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. So, Lord, I thank you 
for sending me the resources. Our Father, I don't know what the doctor's results are going to be, but I know that you are a healer, so I thank you for my healing in advance. Father, I do not know what's going on in this season, but it's hard. And to be honest, mentally and emotionally, I'm spent. But I know you keep my mind in perfect peace because my mind is focused on you. And I trust you. So I thank you in advance for my peace. I thank you in advance for your strength. I thank you in advance for your deliverance. Now align my thoughts with your thoughts. Align my will with your will. Align my ways with your ways. And after you've prayed, there's a promise of his peace. You ever get those moments where things seem to be chaotic around you, but for some reason you're just resting in God's peace? You're like, um, I know I should be bothered, but uh, this feels good right here. Pastor Garfield is the epitome of that. <laughs> in every situation, he's just chill. Nothing seems to rattle him. The fires can be going on around him. He's like, oh, okay, this is what we're going to do. You just follow me. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. He's calm. His wife is not that way. <laughs> it's a fire. Oh, my God. We got to run. Um, grab this. Grab that. Grab this. He's like, calm down. God, God has this. It's okay. But he has this calmness. And I believe that in every situation, God wants us to be that chill, right? Because we're trusting in him. We're leaning into his word. We're focusing our, our, our minds and thoughts on him. Paul continues to challenge us um, to set up barriers to protect our peace, to protect our hearts, to protect our minds. Proverbs um, 4, um, 23 even talks into to this realm, and it says, Keep your heart with diligence, for out of it springs the, the issues of life. Out of it springs the rich issues of life. Keep your heart, guard your heart with all diligence. For this is the place where life comes from. We also find in, in verses uh, um, Philippians 4, 8 through 9, ways that we can zero in on our commitment. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report. If there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, what does it say to do? I'm going to try that again. One, two, three. Meditate on these things. Yes. These things which you have learned, he says, I'm witness. You, you can bear witness to my life. Things you have learned and received and heard and saw in me. These do. And the God of peace will be with you. How many of you are desiring that today? 
desiring for the Lord to give you this unimaginable peace where you can lean into your contentment, where you can shake off the things of the world and focus on what he is speaking to you. Paul tells us when things come negative and things, false things come to distract us, go back to the truth. Go back to the things that you know are pure. Go back to the things that you know are of good report. And you know what? Meditate on these things. Matter of fact, remember, I used to tell people all the time, you have to have those remember when moments. Remember when God did that before? You didn't have any food, but you remember when God supplied? You remember when you were, you were waiting on an internship forever, but God supplied? You're waiting on a healing, and God supplied. God supplies all of our needs according to his riches, according to his glory. So as we, as we begin to um, close out <laughs> today, I'm going to ask the worship team to come forth. And wherever you see yourself today, if that's in a place where you just need to hear from God. It's like, Lord, just open my ear gates so I can hear you. If I can't hear you, Lord, send somebody my way to speak a word into me. I need you. Or you find yourself fighting for your contentment. Fighting for your contentment is something that we'll always have to do. Because the enemy of our mind will try to destroy us that way. The first thing that the enemy attacks is our mind. First thing. I heard somebody say one time, once something gets the mind, it gets the whole body. But we can stand on, let this mind be in you, Christ Jesus. Right? And here's another thing that we have that the Philippian church did not have. We have the Holy Spirit. Even before Jesus began to leave and he was preparing his disciples, he uttered these words that can be found in John 14, 26 through 27. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, bring you into remembrance. Remember I said, remember back when? Bring you into remembrance all things. Well, all that I have said to you. Peace I, live with, I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives, do I give. Now let your heart not be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Let your heart not be troubled. 
let you find peace, let you find contentment, because Jesus is saying, I give that. But you're going to have to guard it. You're going to have to contend for it. You're going to have to set up barriers. You're going to have to be in your prayer closet. You're going to have to study the word. You're going to have to build a spiritual arsenal of scriptures. So when your mind is telling you something totally different, you can speak the word back into it. And sometimes we have to speak it out into the atmosphere. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Lord, I trust you with all my heart, my mind, and my spirit. We might have to say those things outside. Sometimes, sometimes we have to encourage ourselves. But set up barriers for yourself. Contend for your contentment. As we go into this Thanksgiving holiday, I don't know where if people are going home or they can't go home or what family life looks like. But find the joy in the moment. Find contentment in the small things and the greater will come. So I am going to um, pray over you, and then we're going to have a time of communion. If you are in the congregation and you're saying, Lord, I just need to hear you, I just need to hear you, I, I'm lost right now, I just need to hear you, can you raise your hand, can you raise your hand really quickly, put it down. If you're saying, Lord, I, I desire to have this contentment that Pastor Mimi talked about today. I desire to, to, to know what that is. Can I see those hands? Okay. And for those who are saying, oh, I am in a fight right now. I am in a fight for my contentment. I am contending on every side. Can I see those hands? Heavenly Father, we enter into your presence once again, and we thank you for the word that has gone forth today. We thank you for showing up in this congregation. We thank you for the letters that Paul has written that we can lean into. But Lord, in this moment, I called upon three different people today one was those who are like Lord I I need to experience your peace so Lord for those who need to experience your peace right now in the mighty name of Jesus I ask that you touch their hearts and their minds right now I ask that you overwhelm them with your peace Lord God I ask that you just comfort them under your wings, Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I ask that you pour on them a peace that passes all understanding, Lord God, that when they walk through the door, Lord God, when they go home, Lord God, your presence is still with them and they feel your peace, that no matter what's going on around them, they experience your peace, Lord God. Lord, for those who are saying, I want to know what that contentment is. I want to want to experience what that is 
right now, Lord God, I ask for your ministering angels just to whisper in their ears those times where you intervened before. Let them see where you have set up shop in their life. Remind them of the remember when moments so they can draw from that wellspring, Lord God. And as they draw from their wellspring, Lord God, I ask that you give them a desire to even encounter you even more through your word. That they will know you, God, beyond their circumstance. But they will know you as their God of peace, their God of contentment, their God of joy, their God of strength. Now, Lord, for those who are right now contending, God, they're contending for, for that contentment. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask right now that you, you send forth your angels, Lord God, to set the atmosphere for them that is conducive for them to be free, conducive for them to, to just be in your presence, Lord God. Let their contending, Lord God, not feel like a, like a tug of war, Lord God, but let the contending be one that sets up barriers, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, that you set up a standard against them, that nothing shall come near their dwelling, Lord God. And we thank you in this moment because we know that you are the God that is, sets the standard, Lord God. We know you, God, as a banner, Lord God. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time of prayer. And we won't be lacking in the Lord God, but we will seek you. We will continue to pray. We will pray continuously, God, till we see your face. So, God, I ask that you go with us. That throughout this week, Lord God, that they will see you appear, even in a small moment that they see you appear in your word, that when the, they, they, they read your word, the word comes alive, Lord God. And it's not something that's just head knowledge, Lord God, but it's something that's heart knowledge, something that transforms and, and, and breaks through in their life, Lord God. Let us not be the same. Let us not be the same, Lord God. We thank you, God. <laughs> we thank you, Abba Father for what you are doing, for what you have done, for our past, present, and our future. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen.